Welcome to Dungeon Master Level 1, the podcast about a first-time Dungeon Master and his group of new and relatively new players. I am your Dungeon Master, Merritt. With me is Mr. Moves for Days with a Z, Ted. Welcome, Ted. Interesting. Okay, I like it. Moves for Days with a Z. Love it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Um, welcome back to another edition of Two White Men Talking on the Internet to Nobody. Uh, very glad to be here. We were off last week, but we still released an episode, right? We did. We, I, we worked in a delay in the episode, so we didn't record last week, but we still had a release. But this is, we're in a new situation because now we've this is the first time we've had two game sessions with no podcast after the first. So we have two mm. we have two sessions to discuss. And uh, we'll let you I'll let oh, you shit. in. I'll let we you do. in. Yeah, we do. I'll let you in on what the Mr. Moves for Days was. It was because we learned just how mobile Bosch can be when he really needs to with his Oh yeah. monk triple movement speed. You move That's you got right. moves for days. And I made Step it with a wind, Z, made it with a Z to make it cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, the more I play this monk, the more I'm like, wow, the monk is lit. You can do a lot of stuff. You can do a monk. lot of really fun stuff. The damage output is not like super high compared to some other things, but you can do some really cool stuff. You're super mobile. You can keep yourself safe. Um, you can, if you're lucky and use stunning strike, you can just straight up lock down an enemy. Like just. Mm-hmm. stop him from ever doing anything which if, is uh, yeah, amazing if the dice rolls if you get lucky with the dice rolls you can really yeah. do a lot of damage but um the key part of that is being lucky with the dice rolls yeah. which um i'm not <laughs> some of us struggle with uh so right. let's let's go back to last week uh the first oh here the, we go folks yeah the first <laughs> excursion I'll help. I'll help you remember. The first okay. excursion, uh, the first job you received in the town of Fandolin. Okay, I um, remember now. To go help the uh, woman in the windmill, uh, just warn her that there's a dragon, uh, get her safe, and uh, let her know that there's a problem in the area. And when you arrive at the windmill, her windmill is under attack from a manticore, and you guys dispatched of it pretty quickly uh you know without too much um without too many problems so that was awesome um Mm -hmm. and then you had a little discussion with her convinced her to come back to town uh to so you could collect the reward when you get there um and i the interesting the most interesting thing out of that uh quest for me is that you guys have frequently sought ways to discuss your way out of problems this was a case where you could actually have conversed with the manticore and convinced it to leave uh really yeah manticores can talk yep manticores can talk (laughs) by the book by the book you know that's one of the fun things about this uh i didn't know that yeah uh it's in the book it's in the module that i think it was you offered to pay it 50 gold or pass a 15 persuasion check and he just pieces out but instead you guys just <laughs> went straight in boss just fired an arrow now uh barter just fired an arrow wasted no yeah, time that sounds like barter barter's just barter like i see a around. problem i'm gonna shoot it uh so we did not mess around so that was a pretty straightforward encounter um otherwise 
Uh, and I had a lot of fun with that one. But I will say it was the less interesting of the two evenings. Unless you have anything you'd like to say about it, I think we can just skip right over to what happened this week. The Manticore? No. No, we went to go help the gnomes and everything with the Mimic. That was cool. That was, oh, that was last week, too. That was last week, yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought that was this week. No, that was last week, yeah. I do remember things, folks. Yeah. So um, why don't yeah, you describe ahead. that one? Oh, no. I don't remember. Why don't remember. you describe that one? Um, all right. So basically, we went into this cave system. Mm-hmm. We walked in. We met some gnomes. One of them was named Quibby, which I can't believe that you were trying to gloss over this because you were saying these names and it was like obvious that you were making them up on the spot. I was not. They're in the book. Get the fart out of here. Those are in the book. Those are the names from the oh book. Oh my God. I have Is not. Q U I B I. Q U I B B Y. Wow, that is nuts. Wizards of the Coast, you're on notice. Or maybe whoever named Quibby actually was doing a deep cut to... Uh, how old is this campaign, by the way? How old is this module I, that we're I would imagine it's probably from 2008. There was some time we looked up um, when 5E came out, and that's when 5E came out. So I think it was probably 2008. Because I've heard of... I, I've listened, Okay, I know we're not allowed to talk about other D&D podcasts. Mm-hmm but I'm going to break that rule very briefly. Do it. Fandolin is a village that is featured in the uh, Adventure Zone, the Adventure Zone podcast, which is done by the dudes who do My Brother, My Brother, and Me and a bunch of other podcasts. Okay. So basically these three brothers who just started a podcast empire. They started doing a D&D podcast many, many moons ago, and... Fandolin was an abandoned town that the adventurers came across in like early, early on in the campaign. Okay, here's how that may be. It could be that Fandolin was an because the history of Fandolin for us is that it was an abandoned town, abandoned town, and a new uh-huh. group of settlers have moved there to try and mine and rebuild gather it. resources and rebuild it. So it's possible from uh, their era playing with Fandolin. At the time, in the Wizard of the Coast modules, it was an abandoned town. And since then, in this one we're playing through, it has become repopulated. Right. Okay. So that's a possibility. I don't know. Possibility. Uh, My brother, my brother and me, get in here. Get in the comments. uh, Let me know. (laughs) DM me at... (laughs) Tweet at the Irish Roger. Uh, I'm sure you're spending time listening to very, very low... (laughs) <laughs> low effort, low budge podcasts that are done on Discord. Um, anyway, uh, if you haven't listened to the Adventure Zone, don't listen to our podcast because we're better. Okay. Anyway, um, I didn't know that Manticores could talk. That's fascinating. They can. Anyway, I'm going to say anyway again. So we basically, I'll just keep this succinct. We came to a cave, met a bunch of gnomes. One of them was named Quibby. We lingered on that for a while. They deter- They were like, oh, oh, gnomes keep disappearing when they, like, go deeper into the cave. And we did, like, went deeper into the cave, determined that there was a mimic about. We found the mimic, fought the mimic, killed the mimic, got a bunch of swag mm-hmm. from the gnomes. That boss was kind of like, I don't care about any of this. And then I think uh, Barter kept it all. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and then 
in true fashion with our adventurers, as soon as we move on to the next thing, we immediately forget what it is we have, and we don't use it. Don't use any all. of it. Got an immovable rod six months ago. Haven't ever used it. Haven't even thought to use it. Would have been a really good idea to use it in the battle that uh, happened this week. Now that I think about it, it but I'm going to just mention that out loud and yeah, keep that in mind. Yeah, because uh, what you could do with that is if somebody's knocked prone. You can put the immovable rod on them in your turn and just be like, don't move from here. And they have to do like a DC 30 strength check to move it. They can't. Uh, or Yeah, yeah. It's like something impossible. It is like a DC 30 strength check. It's basically they need to roll a nat 20 and have incredible strength. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you can do a lot of cool stuff with the immovable rod. Uh, and I was actually just thinking about that earlier today because I th- you have the immovable rod. Um Steve has uh, Luckstone. Uh, Wright has the uh, Bag of Holding, which he has used several times. He has put things in the Bag of Holding repeatedly. Actually, you used the Bag of Holding in the, that episode, getting into the caves. To... Right, because Barter was like, oh, put me in the Bag of Holding. Yeah. I'll go up. And my player brain was like, that's a bad that's idea. That's a bad idea. You... That's a really bad idea. Yeah. But uh, my, my in-game brain was like, <laughs> Go ahead, yeah. <laughs> which is a fun thing to play. Just like I, as a player, know this is a bad idea, but yeah. I just have to let my character do it. Now, the bag of holding rules are there is air in there for however many beings can fit for 10 minutes divided by the number of players, something like that. So right. if, it's like if you put two people in, it, they can be in there for five minutes. Um, it's still like an empty void and a bad idea. Uh, and you need to keep your mouth shut because I think you know this and I need to keep my mouth shut because I definitely know this, that you cannot put a bag of holding inside another bag of holding or another oh, yeah, don't do void space because basically yeah, don't cre- do that. it just creates a portal hole that sucks everything within like 15, 20 feet into a into random the astral plane, right? Into the, like a random point on the astral plane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, actually, I did see this. There's a thing that people have made where it's basically like you tie two bags of holding onto an arrow and you fire the arrow. And when they impact, one of the bags slips into the other bag. So you basically it's like a, it's like firing a astral plane nuke. Um, <laughs> That's fun. I it's, like that. It's cool. It's very cool, uh, and it can be used very well. Uh, you, but you also have to like pass um, Tinker Tools checks and stuff like that to actually make it uh, legitimately. But uh, so yeah, that was part of that game. Um, I, what I loved in that one was that you chose not to just cross the river and go up the clearly winding path to like the proper entrance and instead it just chose to like scramble up the cliff side um but it, that worked out well for you because that put you right in the uh area where the, right. the, the the gnomes who were there are the ones who give you the quest we bypassed we bypassed all the traps yeah you bypassed like, all the traps no it worked out great like you bypassed yeah. the arrow trap you bypassed the guards who uh questioned whether you were the mimic you bypassed the room of spinning blades so by choosing the more difficult path it worked out really well for you um and so then we had like the mimic hunt and i this was the first time we've used a map with fog on it to hide rooms from you until you guys can actually see in the room um and okay. we used, we used that last week this. yeah let me hear him i have some thoughts about this um i 
like it a lot. Yeah. I think there can be some tweaks just to make it more um to make it less likely for us to cheese it, basically is what I'm saying. Okay. So I think that when we're looking at a map and there are a bunch of black squares, but then there are some areas that have no black squares, mm -hmm. I can kind of like, for example, I got to a point where it was like, okay, we're looking at this map and we've uncovered all of these hallways, but there's still a massive black square. So there's probably something underneath it. I gotcha. So I that's part of the reason why I was like, I'm going to dig through this thing because yeah. my player brain, I was metagaming a little bit. I'm just going to acknowledge that. It didn't end up making a huge difference because it ended up eating up a big chunk of our time. And nothing came of what we did. But it was still fun to like go around and explore, which is another fun thing about these models. Yeah. My only thing is just saying like if it's going to be like, blacked out like having the whole thing blackout you're saying blackout, blackout everything wise. so that you can't tell right. if there's another room or something right yeah. and there's also i'm looking at the map right now but there's also this thing where it says the letter s on certain things yeah yeah and that's a secret door right that is a secret door okay unfortunately so, i mean it's i love the like blanking things out i'm just thinking like i don't i mean the s i'm gonna see as a player i'll try to be more like oh guess i didn't see it yeah. oh well I just don't know if I can speak the same for our compatriots. Right. Unfortunately, that S is part of the map. Like, mm -hmm. I, I can't, and I Unless can't you, like, like covered it up or something. And if I covered it up, I'd have to like cover up part of the room as well. So like, you wouldn't quite see the wall. Like, the S is there. It and really the way the rules are written for this is you have to pass a certain investigation or perception check to find mm -hmm. the secret door. Um, What's the difficulty class on that? Just out of curiosity. The ones in this room were 10. They were oh, quite okay. low. Like, you were almost cool. guaranteed to find them. You could practically could trip and bump into it and have it open up. Um, right. So, yeah, because they were low difficulty check. They weren't locked. They just opened when you found them, basically. So, um, these ones were very simple. You know, keeping in mind, this is a one of the first quests given to you on a campaign for players one through five. So, you know, it is a little simple. Um, so in the, yeah, so that was the, the Mimicon. Um, that was really fun. My favorite moment from that game was when you were with the two gnome guards trying to find out, like they were trying to question if you're the mimic and you guys are saying, well, maybe right. you're the mimic. And it's like, well, how are we going to prove who's the mimic? And somebody was like, well, the mimic will change its shape and attack if it's threatened. And so you all just mm -hmm. stood around slapping each other <laughs> yep. to, to, to prove perfect. you weren't the mimic. It was beautiful. It was perfect. Just, we did it. I, just I, the five of you and two gnome guards just standing in a circle slapping each other. Also, Raccoon, who's like eight feet tall, just like, oh, whatever you say, gnome guards, when he could just like pick them up yeah, and like throw right. them off being, the edge. Being very polite to them. Um, yeah. Yeah, so then you found the mimic. That was an easy fight because uh, it was just one little mimic against the five of you. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then. We sent it back in. Yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, jumping to this week, the adventure, the uh, job was to inform some dwarven excavators at a ruined temple that they that there's a dragon get them back to safety mm -hmm. you yep. uh did a awesome job exploring the temple uh clearing out a couple of uh ochre jellies uh which mm -hmm. was a really fun fight for me because i knew or you know didn't know but suspected lek would use a lightning spell 
and raccoon would attack with an axe. And if those things receive slashing or lightning damage, they divide as long as it has at least 10 hit points. Uh, mm -hmm. So you were so one of them divided once and then you took care of them all pretty quickly um, otherwise. So it was really just sort of like an introduction to that sort of dungeon search with enemies that come at you and not just hiding. That was sort of the first time you had a uh, scripted fight like that. And then it mm -hmm. was, again, more exploring, revealing the dungeon, but when you enter the rooms. Um, one neat thing that happened was that third ochre jelly that came out of the tunnel was in that C section of the tunnel with both doors closed. And it, the rules, the, the module places it at the bottom of the C. Uh, I think it was Romardo opened the top door and only looked down the hall and it curved around and he didn't see far enough down the hall to see the jelly. And then you all went exploring other places and not me. I not stayed you. in that room. You stayed baby. in that room. And so you were the first to see it uh, because then as they moved around, we did that and it took the equivalent of like two turns for that jelly to move up the hallway and out into the main room. And so that was kind of fun for me because I knew once the door was open, the jelly would move towards it. And I, so I had this, um, experience of seeing it coming towards you guys without you knowing and that was a lot of fun on my yeah end. that's awesome that's cool i like that a lot i um i also found a bunch of stone gemstones that are worth 10 gold a piece yeah i had a lot of fun going into my character <laughs> what's also going to be fun is that we're all going to forget <laughs> that i have these yeah just like people are going to forget that barter found something valuable and hid it from all of us mm -hmm. and none of us noticed but that's a, just a fun thing um wait did we take a long rest at the end of the last one you have a long rest at the end of this yeah um okay because after the orc fight you guys are pretty depleted um which we'll get to i want to get to what you talked about with barter uh trying to sleight of hand that uh treasure he found without anybody yeah. seeing it I loved that because this is the first time we've had inter-party checks against each other. Um, mm -hmm. So Barter rolled the sleight of hand. Those in view rolled perception to see if he got it. And only Romardo uh, saw him pick it up. And he chose to pretty much keep it to himself. And then mm -hmm. later, Romardo said something that you heard but didn't understand. And so... Mm -hmm. um, Barter rolled a deception and you rolled perception to see, you know, who, if you knew what Barter was talking about and Barter was able to deceive Bosch, Th like that was really fun. That was great inter-party character play and I loved it. And I feel like this was really sort of the first time something like that has happened in the campaign and it's awesome. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's also interesting too, because like, it's interesting to see how the lie plays out because Barter and Bosch have been like holding hands and doing all sorts of other stuff. Mm -hmm. Then after I'm just going to gloss over what happened when we went through to the other room, if that's yeah. cool. Um, we went into this other room, Barter like found this artifact, pocketed it. None of us noticed except for, uh, uh Romardo, Romardo, Romardo. Thank you. I almost called him Bedouin for some reason. <laughs> and, um, he, uh, Barter and I went into this other room. 
we had this whole like conversation about we found this uh gem that was being held by like a dwarven statue mm-hmm. and i like rolled an investigation determined it, there was a trap underneath the gem yeah and so i was like okay we can't just like pluck this thing off of there so we had some back and forth about how we were going to get it and then i was like i know what we'll do i used the staff of saint cuthbert shot the grapple towards the gym as we like hid behind cover almost basically but far mm. enough away that if, if something bad happened we'd be okay the gym got knocked off the statue exploded the gym shattered into a bunch of pieces we determined the gym is probably a fake which is classic sort of pre-built D campaign stuff yeah. just kind of like oh you see this thing and guess what it's not real haha yeah um dejected. i, I want to talk said, about that oh go ahead Finish. okay no, I was just going to say that I said to Barter, hey, that was fun. He says nothing and walks out of the room after I was like, hey, what was up with that wink? And he like, like fooled me with that. Yeah. Which in my mind, Bosch is going to be like, what changed? Yeah. He doesn't know what, but now he's going to start being a little bit more suspicious, baby. And yeah. that's going to be fun for me to play. This is It's getting fun. It's, I, I don't want to say... Bar- Barter's playing more of the rogue. He's keeping his intentions to himself more. Uh, right. And it's creating really good inner party fun dynamics, but maybe a little bit toxic within the party, but fun to play. Um, and so that's been awesome. I want to talk about that statue for a bit because I felt a little sure. bad about it um, because we played it pretty much as written. Um, the, the way it, is in the book is that it would take 40 hours for an individual to dig through. Uh, and so we sort of, you know, I think we did a good job investigating how long it would take to dig to that chamber, uh, describing that it would be a lot of work. You'd be here for a while. And then raccoon came up with the brilliant plan of wild shaping into a creature with a burrowing speed, because right. that makes really quick work of that. Uh, and that was sure. amazing. I never would have thought of that. Great use of wild shape. That was awesome. Uh, and then for the trap, I like knew that was going to appeal to Barter's quest. He's like trying to get mm-hmm. as much money as he can. Um, so that I was like, they're going to go for this. Uh, there is the book does not have an investigation check to check for traps, but I felt right. that because Raccoon had his detect magic spell on, and it's not listed as a magical trap, that he mm. um he wouldn't detect that. And then you were so careful with an investigation. It's like you know what I you guys deserve a clue that this is not something you can just go over and pick up. Um, right. So I actually added the lever that the gem was resting on. Um, oh wow! To interesting, yeah, because that it's that was not how it was described. It's very simple in the book. It just says if the gem is removed, the statue explodes, causing this much damage within ten feet, and it's a lot of damage. I'm pretty. I think it was four d six plus ten. It's a lot of damage for that trap. Yeah, that would have fucked us up. Um, That would have fucked us up big time. Yeah, big time. So you guys played it great to just, like, knock the gem off and have it explode. And then the the rule, the book, says the gem crumbles into dust. Um, Right. So I wasn't trying to screw, you know. It's weird because, like, I feel like if I were to have written that encounter, 
I would feel bad. I feel like it's trying to trick you guys and screw you guys. Um, but it's the book, and that's what we're doing with this campaign. We're we're playing the book as close to the book as we can. Um, mm-hmm. So then, while you were digging, this was amazing. I thought uh, really good role play by Lack. Being in Aarakocra, he didn't like being in the cave. He wanted to get out of the temple, so he went right. back out towards the entrance, which really helped you guys out yeah. big time because as it's written at the end of this this um this encounter it says when orcs attack and a group of orcs one for every player attacks the party uh so the way it's written is like they're supposed to be like right outside the entrance they're there and you're in combat um because he went out and waited while you guys finished, I thought it worked to have the orcs be just at the edge. Like they're just arriving, just coming into view. He mm-hmm. sees them, uses thaumaturgy to increase his voice as loud as he can to let you guys know something's coming. And then an incredible use of the sleet spell, uh, sleet storm to make it difficult terrain and make them do a bunch of dexterity checks to even get to you guys. So he is like Mm -hmm. holding down the gates by himself while all of you have to dash as fast as you can to get to him. Cause five orcs or four orcs and an orc war chief. I, uh, I switched out one of the orcs for a war chief just because orcs would be too easy. They're like a quarter challenge rating. Like, you guys would stomp right. them. They're an AC of 12 with 20 hit points. You guys would just right. mow right through. So the war chief was, I think, an AC of 16 with 100 hit points. So he's a little beefier. But I thought that was an incredibly dramatic moment because oh, yeah. there is Lek all alone holding off this war party while you guys have to dash back through the temple as fast as you can to go help him um you know i i can understand it's not the most interesting the beginning of that encounter for you guys because all you're doing is taking dash actions i think you guys spent three turns taking dash actions which kind of stinks um but that's the way that it's it was. Okay. It's okay. It's, it's not. Yeah. It's the way it was played. It's the way it worked out. Like there was, mm-hmm. there was no other way that could have worked. Um, I think. And what was I going to say? And it, and it was, it was incredibly fun for me because it was such a dramatic moment. Um, you know, to imagine being in that situation where Lex there alone, these guys are coming thundering over the hill. He does an incredible spell and against the perfect enemy because orcs are not super dexterous you know they don't have good dexterity even the war chief totally had bad dexterity so these guys kept slipping and falling prone in this sleet storm and it was amazing so it took them forever to get to the front and then when it did uh really good combat from everybody else uh raccoon wild shaped into a dire wolf you did a great job uh you know, getting in there, getting some good hits in, getting back out. Um, yeah. And then, and, and I liked that you asked and we made it work so that I, I think that worked perfectly to have Bosch be able to fit 
under or over raccoon as a dire wolf because he would be so right. big and Bosch is so small that you two absolutely could occupy the same space because otherwise raccoon takes up an incredible amount of space as a dire wolf. So much space. <laughs> so much space. It's, yeah, that was that was tough trying to find out where I could go to like attack. Because I, I have some ranged weapons, but they're, mm-hmm. they kind of suck. Yeah, they're not, not they're not that great. They're not great. They're like 1d4 yeah. damage or something. Um, um, but so I think that, say, that yeah. can be the rule going forwards as well, that if raccoons in like a large shape like that, depending on the animal, you know, I think if he was like a giant boa constrictor, I'm not sure if that would work as well. But for a dire wolf, you know, they're up high on four legs. You could easily be right. on his shoulders or underneath his legs. Um, so I thought that was super cool. Yeah, totally. We had a lot of fun in the check, uh, not calling it sleet storm, but calling it something else. And I'll let you put those pieces together at home listeners. Um, lots of laughs were had about that. Also, I felt like by the end we were all like the players were tired. It was late. It was late. It got late. We started late. It got late. That was a long encounter because it was both Mm -hmm. the ochre jelly fight exploring the cave and right. the um orc fight combat session yeah. yeah and i i think there's a couple things we i can do to help speed those things along i think what we're going to do for when we're exploring a cave is i'm going to go just player by player uh ted where do you go you go there yep. i open up that room and so you can look at that. I'll there's describe it. Of, there's a lot of people talking at the same time. For yeah. Sure. So we're, we're, I think we're going to be a little snappier with exploration like that. We're going to be like, where do you go? Here's what you see. Next. Here's Where do you go? Here's what you see. Right. The other thing I'm going to do, and I meant to do it in this encounter and forgot, is when it's a horde of enemies like that, I'm going to group them up so that they're all on the same initiative. So that... Like when those orcs were rolling their dexterity checks, I can just do one, two, three. Just check all three of them, see if any of them succeed, have that one get up and take its turn. Right. Or, or the same for attacks. Just like I'll work my way from top to bottom, making sure each one gets a turn. But orc number one attacks, misses. Two attacks, hits. Three attacks, misses. Uh, and that way I don't have to spend time figuring out which orc is which in the initiative order and oh my god i know it's really tough those like little placement markers are cool but when there's another thing on top of it it can be tough to see for sure yeah so i think that's going to speed those sort of things along um because i think i also think we talked about this earlier but i think that having one combat encounter per session is probably a good line because the combat there are things you can do to streamline it but i think that when we're like we were pretty like deep into the role play exploration there was a lot we were doing and when we were like oh there's orcs i was like okay here we go (laughs) we're gonna do more combat but i was also thinking like i was thinking about this yesterday because or today rather we played yesterday Mm -hmm. i was thinking about this today because i was like it would have been kind of nice just to be like that's where we'll end it. We'll pick up little cliffhanger. Yeah, I yeah. Um, I I totally agree with you. The reason I wanted to push through is because we are on a time crunch with Wright leaving the game in September. Oh, yeah. 
And so and we have to kill him off immediately. And we have to kill him. Uh, we have to have the dragon. We have to get to the dragon so the dragon can eat him. Uh, and <laughs> that's how we'll depart the game. <laughs> I got to look at that email. I know that we have a whole list of dates that we're off. Yeah. Are we off next week? I don't think so. Um, I can pull it up real quick, I believe. Let's take a look. It's in Summer the email. D&D. It's also on my calendar. We are not off next week. We are. But we are not. off the following week and the week after that. Yes. Yes. Cool. Um. So yeah, that you know, it, July there's like a lot of red on my calendar. August we, we're better off, and then yes, we only have like four or five sessions until, um, right, is gonna be done, because. Uh, he, I'm going to be an uncle eight, again, and he's going to have a baby. We have eight sessions. Have eight sessions. Eight, cool. Eight sessions. Um, so we so should be able eight, to get through this. Because eight chances to kill right. Because <laughs> I both I both want to finish this, and I also have an idea to sort of have a post a a homebrew session to give Lek a proper little bit of closure to his character arc. Um, Lex funeral after his he gets funeral. brutally murdered. It's his funeral. Right. Press F to pay respects. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Please. Oh, I actually wanted to talk about something uh, kind of related. Um, I uh, created a new character as a backup. Mm. And I wanted to talk about this because I thought that'd be a good thing. I feel like we're done talking about what happened this week, right? There was, we move one, on? uh, there was one other thing I wanted to mention. Um, it was that we found... Actually, right found in above VT the area of effect icons. Oh, he sure so did. So that those worked super well. Yeah, um, those were lit. So it was just like a big marker. It would cover the area of effect for the spell. You could put it on the board, and that way you could see what was affected. And it was just there. As lo- and it also helped me remember if they were maintaining concentration on a spell. Um, so that was super cool. Yeah, how do you load those? Do you just like it's in there? Um, let me load in real quick. I don't I, know if I have the power to do it. You may not because you don't have spells. I don't know if it's by um, character. Oh, that could be it. I can see that I can create like a color. You have to be able to make some. You have to have some area of effect. No, things. I don't think oh, the. I don't, think the I don't think the monk does it maybe this time. Not. Um, let me see here. Join his DM. So it's loading up. Anyway, this is what we call yeah. in the business dead air. Dead folks. air. <laughs> Nothing like dead air in a pod. I don't. Um, I don't care. It's so fine. I at the I, t- on the top left for all our above VTT users, there is a um, among select ruler fog draw text AOE. That's area of effect. Then you can right. select the color and the size. Um, yeah, it only lets me select the color. I can't. What? I, oh no, that's you. That's you doing that. But if I try to select the shape, it says no, no. Well, that wasn't me. Really? I don't think so. Yeah, I can't. You're. Yeah, you're putting those up. Oh, yeah, there. that is me. Sorry. <laughs> Just spamming <laughs> the thing. <laughs> triangle, square, circle, triangle, square, circle. And how do I delete these? I, I think just I select. Think let me... Just select and delete. Right. You have to you have to hit select. You have to switch back to select, and then you can delete. Oh wow! Oh, I'm doing it too because okay. I'm the DM, so I can I can do everything. Unlimited power. Yeah, um, but yeah, those were super cool. 
that was awesome um, to have Raccoon and Lek using those because uh, it made it really easy to see who was being affected and what was going on and rem- helping remember that they were concentrating on a spell. Uh, so that was really totally. cool. I'm just going to put this green circle over everyone. <laughs> And there we go. There we go. Now that I know how to do this, um, that's probably the worst. We'll, thing we will we will never me. complete a campaign again. Now, yeah, it's just gonna be like squ- circles and squares. Um, I went uh, back during like pandemic. I was playing uh, Jackbox games, and this dude I played with had like figured out how to like use the annotate feature in Zoom when you're in like a meeting. So when we were playing Jackbox, he would just like annotate and like draw X's over like the things that he didn't like. Awesome. Um, he was a he he was a total troll, and uh, <laughs> I actually resented him pretty heavily for it because um, uh. I met a lot of. This is just another Ted's tangent, but there's a when I did uh, comedy in New York, I met a lot of comedy elitists who were mm. like, "Oh, that's not I, that's not clever enough, or that's not funny enough," and that kind of stuff really pisses me off to the point where I said to his face in the Zoom. You're being an asshole. Wow. <laughs> nice. Good. Like, no, 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 I'm like, yes, you are. Not yes, everything can are. be in whatever publication you've been publishing. You chode or whatever I said. <laughs> and then I was not invited to play games with those people. You were, you were not invited back. You know but did you really want to? Did no. you really want to? So, yeah, there you go. The answer is no. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so I created a new character as a backup. Yes. Um, I created a character that... As of right now, I still haven't decided because I actually need to like go into Bosch's backstory because I don't remember what I wrote. Mm. But I have a backup character. So Bosch, as we know, famously hates magic. Mm-hmm. Um, famously. And famously. this is also funny because every single time I search for Bosch of Amazon, it just is every Amazon order I've ever made just comes up. I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe this wasn't the best idea for, for what I said. Uh, do you uh, get in? Here we go. Um, oh, God. I used a different thing. Oh, okay. It's in a Google Drive. Okay. Found it. Anyway, I um, found Lex for some weird reason. That's weird. Doesn't matter. Long story short, I created a backup character uh, who is Basha's either long-lost sister or cousin or something. Um, role-playing? Possibly role-playing? as a female we don't have any women playing or any women being represented in this unless mm. it's ethel who we stand um and uh hello her name boys. is susie <laughs> her name is susie of amazon she's named for the character susie from marvelous mrs Maisel. Mm, um nice yeah so i'm basically just gonna have a whole uh stable or cadre of uh Backup characters. Well, just one backup character for now, but I thought it'd be fun to have like a wizard who is um Jack Ryan of Amazon. <laughs> yeah, Jack Ryan of Amazon is another one. Well, we already have Bosch of Amazon. Uh we'll probably have uh Bezos of Amazon Bezos. will be the level twenty dark mm-hmm. wizard. Mm-hmm. Um we'll have uh yeah, I don't know, we'll figure it out. But um I basically created this wizard and I've never played as a wizard and I've always kind of wanted to. Because wizards, I saw a meme about wizards in the D&D subreddit where it was like, 
here's where the magic comes from. And the bard's like, my magic comes from the power of music. And sorcerer's like, my ancient bloodline is my power, is where my power comes from. And then it's like a wizard, but it's just a picture of Fry from Futurama holding a book. <laughs> and he's saying, my power comes from the magic of reading. <laughs> yeah, I love that Which one. Really I see that. Because it's like, you have a book that you have all your spells written down in, and you just like have to recite them and perform like specific movements to yep. cast them. Yep. My, so here my magic comes from books. Oh, yeah, right. let me hear. So here are the spells that I picked. Uh, first of all, she has a dagger. Okay. Uh, for quick, like, stabby, stabby. Yep. Um, also, I had an incredible roll for her. Like, all like the lowest I rolled was a 13. Um, she, I, I picked Firebolt and Ray of Frost for, her can- for the cantrips. Good ones. And then for her first spell, I picked this spell that I was like, this is cool. And I had no idea this was an. Oh, I also picked press the digitation, but that's just more for like utility, mm-hmm. not for that like, can be combat. really that can be really useful. Yeah, I can like you know create like a shower. Sp- I basically just wanted her to be kind of like a lame wizard who can does like kind of lame tricks sometimes, but that like wows normies. Yeah, I picked this spell called catapult, and let me tell you about this spell, folks. <laughs> Sounds amazing. I don't know, but I'm already thrilled. This spell would have been so handy in this cave because mm. I can pick one object weighing between one and five pounds within range that isn't being worn or carried. Hmm, sounds like a bunch of small rocks, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the object flies in a straight line up to 90 feet in a direction you choose before falling to the ground, stopping early if it impacts against a solid surface. If the object would strike a creature, that creature must make a dexterity saving throw. On a failed save, the object strikes the target and stops moving, the object itself. Mm-hmm. When the object strikes something, the object and what it strikes each take 3d8 bludgeoning damage. That's a level one. That's a level one spell, folks. 3d8 is a level yeah. one? That's and an amazing level, spell. Up, you can hold. You can do heavier stuff, and it does even more damage. And I'm like, I would have just been hucking rocks at people yeah. left and right. Because I think the dexterity, because it's it, you don't roll to hit; they just roll dexterity to see right. Yeah, misses or not, and so there's no like parti- the oozes are horribly non dexterous. The orcs were yep. pretty non dexterous, so <laughs> that would have been an am- you would have run out of spell slots. I mean, you just uh, would have. I think I could only cast it once or twice. Yeah, because because it's you know, I only have one spell a, slot, a level I one think. wizard, right? But uh, right. yeah, that would have been an amazing spell. Three d eight damage as a level one spell. That's incredible. Yeah, that's wild. That's super cool. Um, yeah, so awesome. Good, you know, another D and D heavy pod, which is awesome. Um, so this was I had a ton of fun. This was, I was one of the most fun um, sessions I've run because you guys encountering a new kind of enemy with the jellies was really exciting for me because you were like learning what they do, what affects it. You were figuring out what to use against it what not to you know and i love that you know uh i don't remember who it was was like anybody have any fire magic like when the lightning magic made a divide so that was super cool and then the way the rush back to the entrance took place was really really fun i know you know such a long run for you guys just having to take dash after dash after dash was not a very interesting um you know, choice-wise for the players, but for me on this end, with Lack just 
be like this was the first time I felt that Lack really felt like a war casting cleric. Um, you know, the heavy armor holding a line, uh, controlling the battlefield, um, was really, really fun and cool to see. So awesome week. I'm very excited to keep going. Um, so, and the one last thing I want to say is, so what we're going to do now is, and I mentioned this last night is I'm going to send you, because we had to sort of rush the ending, I'm going to send you the list of, uh, job options you can take for next week you guys are going to pick it out of the game so i can prep uh where you go in advance because i can't really do it you know while we're playing and then we're gonna keep going and hopefully we'll get through uh enough stuff to be able to take on that dragon before um right has to depart from the game so yeah let's hope so all right awesome anything anything else you wanted to mention no, I'm just realizing that I can actually put a bunch more spells into my spell book as <laughs> oh, a level one wizard. Yeah. So I'm probably going to do that. I can. I thought I could only learn one spell at a time, but it's like, no, you can have no. up to four. Yeah, you can as have a level one yeah. wizard. Romardo did the same thing for his level one bard. He just had one spell in there when he could have yeah. two or three more. Uh, yeah, yeah, but cool. All right, so anyway, that's all, folks. I'm going to update this character sheet and we'll see if I even use it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I. Oh, I will say I love the um, narrative element of that. Bosch hates magic, and somehow one of his relatives is a magic user. That's right, lovely. All right, cool, fun, right? Yeah, very fun. So, thank you for listening. This has been Dungeon Master Level One. We'll see you again next week. I am your Dungeon Master Merit. With me is Mister Moves for Days, Ted, and we with the outro. Yeah, helpful, awesome. All right, have a good one, everybody. Bye. Hey, woo!